Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the absolutely terrific card game. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another one of my Think on Your Feet episodes. But this is a little bit of a special one because the plan is Return to Night of the Zealot with Lola Hayes. Thank you, horrible people, for voting for that. And then Finn Edwards' Forgotten Age, which should be cool, I think. Like, I'm excited about that one as opposed to just dreading it. But this is neither of those things. This is a little bonus think on your feet. A sort of um, Frank's birthday treat episode, because I think the time that this goes out, it'll either be my birthday or just before my birthday. So... Happy birthday, me! Hooray! I'm making episodes for you guys. Um, So this one is, we ran a competition all about thematic pairings of investigators and scenarios, and we said if you wanted to submit a deck to illustrate your pairing, you could do. There were various different prizes we gave away by the same token, gave out a player board and tokens, which was incredibly generous of them. Thanks, by the same token. Check out their stuff, it's really cool. And we asked our patrons to vote for a winner, and the prize for the patron-chosen deck would be that I would play it live. So, here we are. I'm playing Carolyn Fern, one of my favourite investigators, and The Unspeakable Oath, one of my favourite, least enjoyed scenarios. And it's a very fitting pairing, obviously. She's a psychologist, she's at the asylum. And I'm playing this deck made by the winner, Die W. And you can see the list of this deck on ArkhamDB and in the description to this episode. If you think of a thematic pairing and a deck that would illustrate a scenario and an investigator going very well together, you can still enter them to the competition. Even though it's over, we're still keeping a log of all the entries. So maybe that's something you want to do. And if you actually go and look at the log of entries, you can even see which investigators haven't had decks provided for them yet. So you could you could do that. There are scenarios that need investigators paired with them. Anyway, let's not get carried away with that. Let's dive into the scenario, and we're going to read the setup, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the deck. Agenda 1A. Locked. Inside. The patient wing of the asylum is far quieter and lonelier than you had expected. The hall reeks of chemicals and body odour. As soon as you are escorted inside, the doors behind you are closed and locked tight. To Doom Act 1A Arkham Asylum Aside from the few patients giving you a wide berth, there aren't any orderlies or doctors around to speak with. Looks like you'll have to find Mr Chesterfield on your own. And we need three clues to advance. So this is a fascinating deck for me. It only has ten events and skills in total, and it has stick to the plan, so that means three of those events, Emergency Cash, Dynamite Blast, and Ever Vigilant, are immediately taken out. It's 29 XP, which means I've got three weaknesses, uh, along with To Fight the Black Wind, and those weaknesses are Haunted, Paranoia, and everyone's favourite, Overzealous. Okay, my opening hand is a 45 automatic, which is a one-of in the deck, Peter Sylvester level two, and then two copies of Fearless and one copy of Deduction. Ho, ho, ho. So I could ever vigilant turn one, and I would be able to play the 45 for three and Peter for two and go broke doing it. 
and be able to play emergency cash the following turn. That's not too bad, but it would be nice to actually fish to be able to hit an Ever Vigilant and get three assets in play. So I think I'm going to chuck both copies of Fearless. And then the question is, do I keep the deduction because I know that there's a two clue location nearby? And I think the answer is yes, even though it would be nice to hit Ever Vigilant. So the redraw of the first Fearless into a Hyper Awareness and the second Fearless into a Ward of Protection. Okay, interesting, nice, decent. When I played the scenario with Calvin, spoiler, it was Calvin's undoing, one of the things I noticed listening back to the recording as I edited it and tidied it up to put it out was that I moved around needlessly. I spent far too long sort of running around trying my luck at things, and if I just stayed put... I would have been all right. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start in the western patient wing. The pleasant atmosphere of the reception area disappeared as soon as Dr. Mintz shut the thick iron door behind them. The temperature dropped to a clammy chill and a foul, sharp stench hung in the air. It's three shroud and one clue. Each lunatic enemy at this location gets plus one horror value. As they walked through the meandering stone halls of the sanatorium, Carolyn began to feel uneasy. It seemed like it would be very easy to get lost. My thinking here is I'm one resource off being able to play hyper-awareness, the 45, and Peter. So maybe taking a resource, ever vigilating those three down, and then either drawing a card or taking another resource is the way forwards. If I'm going to draw a card, I should really draw first action. So let's do that. First action draw. It's Forbidden Knowledge. Okay, the Peter Sylvester Forbidden Knowledge engine is a possibility here. I could just go broke with that. Maybe I do that. Second action, Ever Vigilant. One at a time, play up to three assets from your hand, reducing the resource cost of each by one. So I'll play Peter Sylvester for two. Forbidden Knowledge for zero, and it comes with four secrets and the 45 automatic for three, and it comes with four ammo. I'll exhaust Forbidden Knowledge to take a resource and take a horror, which I put on Peter, draw, ever vigilant, and then last action, I think I will move into the mess hall. With this deduction, I think I clear it of both clues. So yeah, last action, move. A wide open doorway leads into the asylum's mess hall, where patients would have their meals. It's quieter than you expected, there are no chairs scuffling, dishes clanking, or patients speaking with one another. It's two shroud and two clues, and it says forced after you successfully investigate the mess hall, choose and discard one card from your hand. Rows of, dirt of tables are covered in dirty dishes and stale food. You get the feeling they took mess too literally here. Upkeep. I draw paranoia and dis- Oh, sorry. After my turn ends, I heal a horror from Peter, which gets me a resource, I'm up to two. Then I draw Paranoia, which means I lose my resources and back down to one, because I get one in upkeep. We're at one doom of two, and my encounter card is... A straight jacket. <laughs> Revelation, if there's no copy of straight jacket in your threat area, put straight jacket into play in your threat area as an asset that takes up a body slot and two hand slots. Return each asset in those slots to your hand, this card cannot leave play except by the ability below. Double action, discard straight jacket. Well, I have a resource. I have played my 45 automatic. What about if I just cancel this? 
pay one with Ward of Protection. Take a Horror, which I put on Peter. Discard Straightjacket before it even comes into my threat area. Potentially, I could advance this turn. I could double uh, investigate here with deduction, discarding the hyper-awareness. Move back to the Asylum Hall Western Patient Wing and get the other clue for third action. And I'd have three clues. Do I maybe draw up instead to find something I'm happy to discard rather than losing the hyper-awareness? Or I could do something like pay my emergency cash here. Ooh, I could play emergency cash from stick to the plan, play hyper-awareness and investigate third action. And I'd have no cards in hand then, so I wouldn't get to discard anything. It would mean I have no cards in hand. But if I want to play hyper-awareness, I'm actually then nicely playing around the tax of the mess hall. Let's do that. Play the cash. So I've now only got dynamite blast on stick to the plan. Play the hyper-awareness. So I'm down to one resource. And last action, investigate, committing deduction. I'm a four, five with deduction. I'm tempted to spend my last resource to be a six. Here's why. I'm playing standalone, and there are three skulls in the bags, which are all minus ones, and if you fail, I have to take a monster enemy and place it beneath the act deck. And then I had to choose randomly either cultist, tablet, or elder thing, and I've ended up with two elder things, which are zeros. They either randomly choose an enemy from among the set-aside monster enemies or automatically fail. So spending that, that resource only gets rid of the minus four in the bag. I won't do it. I'll just, just go as I am. Five on two. Minus two. Two clues. Choose a card to discard. I don't have any cards. And that was my third action. Peter heals a horror, which means I got two resources. An upkeep, I draw foolishness. And I gain another resource. I'm up to three resources. Fun fact, I have charisma as well. So if I want to get foolishness in play, I could think about it. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We place a doom and Agenda 1A advances. The Patience. Speaking with the Patience is proving more difficult than you'd assumed. They eye you cautiously and refuse to answer any of your questions, backing away or fleeing if confronted. Either they're not used to guests, or something about you is causing them a considerable amount of distress. Some act like animals backed into a corner, and you think at any moment they might strike. Shuffle the encounter discard pile and each set-aside lunatic enemy into the encounter deck. The lead investigator must randomly choose an enemy from among the set-aside monster enemies and police place it beneath the act deck without looking at it. Agenda 2A. Torturous Descent. The longer you spend in this hellish place, the more you want to leave. Already it has felt like days. You fear that if you are stuck here much longer, you will become like the patients, a husk of your former self, unruly and dangerous. Seven Doom. I like that Carolyn's already got a gun out, so she basically has agreed to that. And my encounter card is Whispers in Your Head Dread. I cannot move more than once each turn, which goes into my hand. This will need to be got rid of at some point. So potentially I just move to Asylum Hall's Western Patient Wing and chuck the dread for two actions. Bit of a slow turn, but we are already on two clues and we can see the third clue we need. So I think we just do that. But I also, now that Paranoia is gone, I'll use Forbidden Knowledge to take a resource putting a horror on Peter, and at the end of my turn, the horror on Peter heals, 
getting me a resource. So I'm up to five resources. I draw a second copy of Peter, and I go up to six resources, and we go to one Doom of Seven. My encounter card is Dance of the Yellow King. If there are no lunatics in play, Dance of the Yellow King gains Surge. Such a nice card. Surges into Gift of Madness Pity. It's peril and hidden. Secretly add Gift of Madness Pity to your hand. You cannot attack lunatic enemies. As an action, I can randomly choose one enemy from among the set-aside monster enemies and place it beneath the act deck without looking at it to discard this. Should we hold on to it now, just while we can? Maybe. And I think we use this opportunity now, because we're not having to deal with an encounter card, to... Or do we clear it because we've got gun and we can just kill lunatics? The other thing I was thinking of doing was trying to get this clue. I'm a four on three trying to get it, but I could boost with hyper-awareness and maybe drawing a card. So yeah, let's do those three. Uh, let's draw the card first. It's Painkillers. Uses three supplies as a free trigger spender supply. Exhaust Painkillers. Take a horror to heal a damage. The horror can go on Peter. It's very nice. If only it healed horror and we could heal the horror of foolishness to get foolish going. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Second action, clear pity, adding another monster enemy beneath the act deck. And third action, investigate. I'm a four on three. I'm going to spend two resources on hyper-awareness to be a six on three. Plus one, clue. Upkeep, I draw shriveling. And I go to five resources. Should I have done forbidden knowledge again on Peter? I should have done... So I'm just going to do that now, taking a resource. The horror heals from Peter, which gives me another resource. I'm up to seven. I think it's all right to do that reactively now, because nothing's really changed. It's not like I've gone, oh gosh, if only I had two resources. So yeah. We go to two Doom. Encounter card is a young psychopath. Two fight. Two health. Three evade. After it engages me, I must either take a horror, or it gets plus three fight until the end of the investigation phase. I will take a horror and put it on Peter. If I try to shoot the young psychopath with the 45, I am a three on two, which isn't great, but I could commit foolishness to be a five on two for one shot, or I could just try my luck three on two. Oh, but also we can advance. So I'm gonna spend my three clues first before we do anything else. Key to the basement. Turning a corner, you nearly bump into a nurse with light brown hair and sharp features. You tell her about the violent patients and the strange things you've seen, but she doesn't listen. When you inquire about Daniel, she informs you that he's a patient of Dr. Mintz and that he resides in the secured basement level. Unfortunately, she refuses to let you into that area. Carolyn must decide, choose one. So we can test combat four to intimidate her into giving us the keys, agility four to try to steal the keys from her, Intellect 4 to persuade her to give us the keys, or we can just take the keys by force. Let's try the intellect test, although I have a memory here. I think does taking the keys by force just give you a physical trauma later and we're playing on standalone? Let's do it. Let's just take the keys by force. And we advance to Act 2A, The Really Bad Ones, version 2. Daniel is somewhere in the secured basement where the most dangerous patients are kept. Now that you have the key, you can explore this area of the asylum. Ignore the text on the unrevealed side of Arkham Asylum locations and find the patient confinement location with Daniel Chesterfield. You will be instructed when to advance. 
Right, how do we kill the young psychopath? Let's just take a shot at it. Three on two. Minus four. Let's take another shot at it. Three on two. Chuck in foolishness? Yes. Five on two. Elder thing. Either choose a monster or automatically fail. I'm choosing a monster because we need to kill this guy. Unless I poured a bunch into evading it, but I'm not going to do that. And last action, I'll move to the eastern patient wing. The pleasant atmosphere of the reception area disappeared as soon as Dr. Mintz shut the thick iron door behind them. The temperature dropped to a clammy chill and a foul, sharp stench hung in the air. As they walked through the meandering stone halls of the sanatorium, Carolyn began to feel uneasy. It seemed like it would be very easy to get lost. And I realise that's the exact same flavour text as the Western patient halls, so sorry for repeating myself. It's two shroud and one clue, and it says, Forced, after you end your turn at this location, take one horror and gain two resources. So I'm ending my turn at this location. I take a horror, which I put on Peter, and I gain two resources. And Peter then heals a horror, and I gain a resource for that. So I'm up to ten resources. Wow, Carolyn makes money. Upkeep, I get physical training level two. Very useful. I was just thinking I need combat and willpower boosts. And I'm up to eleven resources. Three doom. Encounter card is Descent into Madness. If I have at least three horror, lose an action. I have no horror. And it surges into a Maniac. After the Maniac engages me, take a damage and deal a damage to Maniac. First damage there. Ow. Well, we could try to evade the Maniac with our hyper-awareness money. We could then play physical training. And we could even play the painkillers and heal that damage or we could play the physical training and just try and move away we knew we'd know we'd need to kill the maniac later but at least we'd have it off us let me think that through again that sounded very confused i'll remind you what i have in my hand physical training shriveling painkillers and peter sylvester so with hyper awareness down and 11 resources i think we can try to evade the maniac that leaves us two actions spare the options are putting physical training down and trying to kill the maniac but we would do two damage that so would still have one damage left and then it would re-engage us and die but we take another damage we can heal the damage with painkillers hmm. or we we let it damage itself again when it engages us at a later point and just one shot it or we just play physical training and hit take a hit and then shoot it once oh, that won't kill it though so the evade is the way to go peter's giving us plus one agility so we're a three on one already I'll spend two resources on hyper-awareness to be a five-on-one. Zero. Maniac evaded. Second action, I'll play physical training. So now we can boost all our stats with resources. Do I third action just play shriveling? And then we've got a lot of combat options available. We could do that and then... The further bonus of that is if we lose the automatic to a straitjacket, we still have a shriveling. I'm going to play shriveling last action. As my turn ends, I heal a horror from Peter and get a resource. And I've ended my turn at this eastern patient wing. So I take a horror, which I put on Peter. He's back to one horror. And I get another two resources back to nine. The maniac readies and engages me, taking a damage 
and dealing us a damage. We're on two damage of six. And upkeep brings me a fearless and going back up to ten resources. Four doom of seven. Encounter draw is ooze and filth. We put it into play next to the agenda deck. Each location gets plus one shroud, and at the end of the round we discard it. How do we want to proceed? Shriveling the maniac, we're three on four. Shooting the maniac, we're... Th- oh no, we're four on three. Shooting it, we're just three on three. But we could boost with either. I think my thinking about the straitjacket means I pursue 45 automatic shot. So first action, I'll shoot. Plus one combat means I'm a three on three. I'll spend three resources to be a six on three. Plus one. The maniac topples to the ground. Second action, can we get this clue? It's shroud three because of ooze and filth. So we're a four on three, but we have hyper-awareness. Spend two resources on that makes us a six on three. I think we try our luck again and do that. Minus two. Clue. And last action, let's move into the basement. Got to keep moving. The door leading into the basement hall is locked. You cannot enter the basement hall, but Act 2A is saying that we can. Dank air drifted out of some of the darker hallways. Carolyn asked, Do some of these passageways lead underground? Nurse Heather nodded. It's a very old building, Doctor. It's four shroud, which is a, a five with ooze and filth, and one clue. It has a victory point. A cramped stone staircase leads deep underground to the basement level of the asylum. Cries and howls of anguish torment you from behind the hall's many iron doors. You can't imagine what it would be like to live your days in this place. And it reads, Forced, after the basement hall is revealed, put the four set-aside patient confinement locations into play. Each of those have an additional cost to enter them, which is spending a clue. Luckily, we already have one clue, which is nice. And that's the end of our turn. We heal a horror from Peter. He's back to no horror, getting us a resource. I draw a deduction, which is okay, and I'm up to seven resources. Five doom. I draw a roach swarm. Ooh, horrible here where the shroud is four. So this is a four fight enemy. I am a four willpower, so I could just try and shrivel the swarm and spend three resources to do so. I've got one resource left on Forbidden Knowledge. I'm wondering if I take the horror on me and commit my fearless to that. Yeah, I'll do that. So I'll use the last Forbidden Knowledge resource. I'll take the horror on myself. So I'm up to eight resources. And then I'll shrivel. Four on four. Commit Fearless five on four. And spend three resources because I definitely want the Roach Swarm dead. Eight on four. Tentacle! Thanks. Just go again with shriveling. Four on four. Spend three resources. Seven on four. Minus three. That's a pass. And last action. I'll play the painkillers for one. I'm down to one resource all of a sudden. And I'll exhaust it and spend a supply to heal a damage and take a horror. And the horror I'll put on Peter. And at the end of the turn, the horror heals, getting me a resource. I draw to fight the black wind. 
I take a direct horror, up to two horror. This attaches to the agenda, and at the end of the round, if any amount of horror was assigned to an investigator this round, it was not healed. Well, I took two this round, I place a doom. So we put a doom straight away, we're on six, and I get a resource, I'm on three. That's actually maybe the perfect fight the black wind time, because we get a doom, but now the agenda will advance and discard to fight the black wind. Let's do it. It discards. We hit seven doom. The yellow sign. In the back of your mind, a force beckons. Have you seen it? It calls to you. Glimpsing something in your peripheral vision, you turn and find a familiar symbol peering back at you wherever you look. It is etched upon the doors, drawn on the walls, painted on the patient's canvases. You cannot escape it. The lead investigator must randomly choose an enemy from among the set-aside monster enemies and shuffle it into the encounter deck without looking at it. Check the campaign log. If Constance Domain is not listed under VIPs slain, search the collection for Constance Domain a little too sociable and spawn her in the garden. On standalone, she's not listed under VIPs interviewed or slain. So she is in the garden. Four fight, six health and one evade. Agenda 3A. His domain. Flee. Flee while you still can. Forced, when you would place an enemy beneath the act deck, shuffle that enemy into the encounter deck instead. Eight doom. My encounter card is... Walls closing in. Revelation test willpower X, where X is the shroud value of your location. Four. If you fail, you must either take one horror for each point you failed by, or randomly choose one enemy from among the set-aside monster enemies and place it beneath the act deck without looking at it. I'm a four on four. I'll commit Peter Sylvester from my hand to be a five on four. And I'll spend two resources taking me down to one. Seven on four. Minus one, pass. I'll exhaust painkillers and heal that damage, putting a horror on Peter. The question is, can I really fight Daniel if I find him? Or shall I just gamble and move on? So. First action, I'll move into one of the four patient confinements. It is the dreary cell. I spend my clue. Three shroud and one clue. Action. Test intellect two to speak to the patient here. If you succeed, you're able to interpret her ravings. Remember that you know the guard's patrols. A chill gloom envelops this windowless cell. Being locked in here for a day would be torturous, let alone for months. Well, I'm a four on two doing that test, so I'm going to give it a go. Tentacle, and I'll try again. Skull, minus one, so pass. I know the guard's patrols. Probably want to grab that clue if I can. Enemy phase, Constance hunts to the yard. Upkeep, I draw a second copy of physical training. Oh, and at the end of my turn, Peter Sylvester heals a horror, so I'm back up to three resources now. One from healing Peter, and one from upkeep. One of eight doom. Counter card is... Corrosion. Discard item assets from play and or from your hand with a total printed resource cost of at least X, where X is the shroud value of your location, which is three. Items in play, automatic, and painkillers. No items in my hand. If I discard the painkillers, I still need to discard the automatic. So I'm just going to discard the one ammo automatic. And there it goes. It wasn't the worst corrosion. I'll try and get this clue now. I'll spend one resource. 
to be a five on three. Plus one, clue. I'll head back to the basement hall, second action. And do I just draw a card, third action? I'm only two cards in hand. Or do I take a resource? Seems a bit slow roll. The final option is just moving into another confinement cell. And we're just gambling on taking the hit. I've only got one charge on shriveling. I need more combat, really, in some way or another. Or is that just wishful thinking? And maybe I just evade. Hmm. Tricky. I'll move. I'll move into another one. We've got to keep moving. So patient confinement number two is a familiar cell. Two shroud and a clue. And it has an action to test willpower X, where X is the amount of horror on you. If you succeed, you recognize the room. Remember that you recalled the way out. So I got a clue and a move twice. Constance hunts to the western patient wing. My encounter card is police badge. And I'm up to three resources. Hmm. If I can get the police badge down, we could have a mega turn at some point. Two of eight doom. I've got whispers in my head. Anxiety. I cannot trigger free triggered abilities, which means physical training and hyper awareness are blanked, <laughs> as is the free triggered on painkillers and the police badge where I to play it. I think I clear this, and I'm a four on two trying to recognize the recall the way out. I could even commit this physical training if I wanted. So I'll clear the anxiety, and four on two, I'll just gamble that I can try and pass this. Skull, minus one. I do recall the way out. Is it all too little too late? I'm not sure. Upkeep, a draw. Moment of respite, which allows me to heal three horror and draw a card. Useful for healing foolishness, but foolishness is in my discard pile. Get a resource. I forgot to move Constance to the eastern patient wing. We're at four doom of eight. And I draw a mad patient, which spawns at the nearest asylum hall, so with Constance. So two two three, and when it when you attack it, you take a horror. So let's have a think. This turn, Constance is coming to the basement hall. I don't have any clues, so it would be good to get this clue here in the familiar cell. I've only got one charge on shriveling. Do have quite a lot of willpower icons in my hand. Moment of respite has two. Deduction is an intellect. Physical training level two has two and two combat. And there's a willpower and wild on police badge. But I think at this point evading things is going to be the way forward, which means saving resources. So maybe I try and get a clue, move back to basement hall, and try and move on at that point. I'll take a hit from Daniel and then I evade Daniel, move back on Constance, evade Constance. Super slow. Or do I play police badge, try and get a clue, and move to basement hall, and I just take the hit from Constance? I can heal one of the damage with my painkillers. Let's try that. Neither option is really crying out to me. Play police badge for three. Investigate four on two. Skull. Clue. Or do I draw a card rather than moving in on Constance? I think I move in and take the hit, because I can take a hit. I've got no damage on me. Enemy phase, Constance hunts, engages me, and hits me for two damage, which I'll take both on me. At the start of upkeep, there is a free trigger window. 
So I will exhaust painkillers, spend a supply to heal a damage, putting a horror on Peter, which will heal up later. Upkeep a draw. The beat cop level two, and I'm up to two resources. Five doom. Too little, too late, I'm not sure. And I draw walls closing in again. So I'm a four on four. Police badge makes me a five on four. I'll commit moment of respite to be seven on four. Minus four. So I fail by one. I can either take one horror or put a monster into the deck. I'll take a horror and put it on Peter. He's on two horror now. Try to evade. Three on one. Yeah, let's do it. Three on one. Evade. Zero. Constance is evaded. Second action move because I've got a clue. One of the two patient confinements. It is the occupied cell. Five shroud, one clue. Damn, that's going to make it hard to get a clue. As an action test, combat two to release the patient here from its bonds. If you succeed, he howls like a wolf and tears off through the basement. Remember that you released a dangerous patient. I could try that. I'm a two on two, commit physical training to be four on two. But to what end? I'll still need to get a clue to go into the Daniel cell. Uh, we're on five doom. Let's count actions. Get a clue, move back to basement hall, move into other patient confinement. That's three. Move back to basement hall, four. Five, six, seven, eight to get to the garden. Nine. I think we've run out of time. Although I have police badge. Hmm. Where did all our time go? We spent, we spent five actions clearing hidden cards. And I've drawn tentacle twice. So that's another two, that's seven actions. How many times have I spent an action to draw a card? Once, twice maybe. Tricky. I don't feel too bad about it because I feel like this was a better run than the Calvin run. But nonetheless, if we'd actually hit the Daniel cell this turn, we'd be in a better place to move on. Do I just move back to Constance as a last action? And then next turn I try and evade her. Or do I pop police badge now? See, I still need a clue. This is the sticking point. I have no clues. I need a clue to get into Daniel's cell. So maybe stay here and do the combat check, and the next action, next time I have five actions, so I move, evade, clue, move, evade. Yeah, seems okay. I'll commit physical training. I'm a four on two. This is to release a patient. Plus one, patient released, howling like wolf. At the end of my turn, Peter heals a horror, so I'm up to three resources, and in upkeep, I get another resource and a fearless. Seems all right. Constance readies. We go to six doom. The counter card is ooze and filth, higher shroud this turn. First action, move back to Constance. She engages me. Second action, try to evade Constance. I'm a three on one. Should I... Commit this beat cop? Yes. Four on one. I'll spend one resource. Five on one. Minus one. Constance evaded. I'll sack the police badge. So I have three actions left. And I'll investigate now. It's shroud five. So I'm a four on five. I'll commit deduction to be a five on five. And spend two resources to be a seven on five. 
Zero. Clue. Two actions remain. Penultimate action, I'll move into this patient confinement. And I have to advance to act 2B. Daniel's warning. When you enter his cell, you find Daniel huddled in a corner of the room, sobbing and rocking back and forth on the ground. No mask. No mask, he stammers over and over. You help him to his feet and ask him what he remembers about the king in yellow, but he interrupts you. Don't speak his name, he exclaims frantically, his eyes wide with a yellow glow. Nigel made us speak his name. He made us speak the oath, and now he lives inside us, controlling us. Don't you understand? He rambles on. The man approaches wearing a crazed expression, and you take a wary step backwards. We spoke his name, and the price was paid. Hester! Hester! O king! Then, suddenly, he transforms before your very eyes. His bones twist and snap. His body warps grotesquely. The symbol carved into his forehead burns bright, and a yellow glow emanates from within his body. He lunges to attack you. Spawn the set-aside Daniel Chesterfield enemy side up inpatient confinement Daniel cell. Three fight, four evade, no, three evade, four health, humanoid, lunatic, and elite. This is Daniel Chesterfield, or at least what's left of him. The, he preys on the highest combat, which is me, and has an action if you control clasp of black onyx, which we do not according to standalone rules. Parlay, you show Daniel the clasp and he staggers backward, collapsing into a, motion, into a motionless husk. Add him to the victory display. Probably not going to kill Daniel. Although, if I spend an action to evade him now, I then spend an action to evade him next turn. So maybe I should try and shrivel him and commit this fearless, which would heal me a horror and make me a resource. I'll give it a try. Spend my last shriveling charge. I'm a four because of my boost from Peter Sylvester on three. Commit fearless. I'm a five on three. Minus two. Pass. I heal a horror, which gets me a resource. And that's two damage on Daniel. Damn, Daniel. At the end of my turn, Peter Sylvester heals a horror. He's back to full, and I'm on three resources. And then Daniel hits me for a damage, which I'll take, and a horror, which Peter takes. Upkeep. I draw overzealous. Okay, what a way to go. So let's do that then. My first encounter card is Corrosion. Um... It's a two-shroud location, so I can discard the painkillers, but I've got no other item assets, so I'm going to surge, but I would have surged anyway with Overzealous. Surging into whispers in my head, dismay, I cannot commit skill cards to skill tests. Well, I don't have any cards in my hand apart from this card, so thanks for nothing. I get a resource. <laughs> I'm up to four. That was the upkeep. We go to seven doom. So this turn I have to go move one, two, three, four, five, and resign six. So I basically need an extra turn. And I need to pass one more of the tests, which reminds me I haven't ad read Act 3A, which is planning the escape. With or without Daniel, you have to get out of this place as soon as you can. Ignore the text on the unrevealed side of Arkham Asylum locations. An objective, if we've performed four of the following, we must advance. Know the guards' patrols. We've done that. Set a fire in the kitchen. No. Incited a fight amongst the patients. Well, we were planning to. Released a dangerous patient. We have, yeah. Recalled the way out. We've done that one. And distracted the guards. We haven't. My encounter card is... Straight Jacket. Well, I have no hand-slotted or body-slotted items, so I suppose Daniel is just wrapping me up in his straitjacket. And I think that's the end. I think we call it. 
because there's no way I can get get there. I could evade Dan, uh, Daniel, move to basement hall, move again with Constance, and I'd actually die then because I take so much damage. Or yeah, that's it. A noble effort, but I'm zero from two recording unspeakable oath on the podcast. Yeah, that was super fun. I really enjoying this deck. I thought it was super asset heavy, but actually it's it's worth it. And you know, to go up to eleven resources, which felt really powerful, and then cycle all the way back down again, just shows the kind of the range of the deck. Super fun. Die. I hope you enjoy this this episode thank you so much for entering the competition and yeah tune in in a moment for another little treat Hello again, it's Frank. This is the second part of this Think on Your Feet episode. And this, I hope, will come as a surprise to everyone. This is a fan-made scenario that I'm going to play next with a standalone Wendy deck, a 19xp Wendy deck. And I really don't play fan-made scenarios a lot at all. I'm not sure if Peter does either. But in this particular instance, a fan of the podcast, Nathan Early, sent us a copy of this scenario And he has been a patron to the podcast from the point when we started being on Patreon. And he's also been at the Ghoul Priest tier, which allows you to send in a deck for discussion. We've had one deck retrospective episode so far on the podcast. So people of that tier, it's the highest tier, can send in decks and we'll talk about them and things like that. Nathan didn't take up that opportunity and didn't really want to, didn't have decks that he wanted discussed. But he did send us a copy of this scenario. And I thought what might be a nice thing to do is play his scenario live on the podcast as a fun treat. The challenge here, of course, is that no one else knows this scenario really among our listeners, apart from those people who've played it with Nathan. I think he played it at a... He, he made it for an event he ran in Portland, in Oregon. So I'm going into this scenario blind. I've only looked at the cards as I sleeved them, and that was was it. I don't really know how it works or anything like that. I'm running a standalone Wendy deck that I hope is well balanced, but it might not be well balanced, so we'll have to see how that goes. It can kill a lot of things, I hope, and it looks like there will be a lot of things, and it turns out that both of my basic weaknesses are enemies, so we're going to have our work cut out for us, I think. And I'm a little bit nervous, but also let's go in blind and see how we get on. So this scenario is called The Lurker in the Lobby. Our bag is a fairly decent mixture of different tokens. One plus one, three zeros, two minus ones, a two, a three, a four, and a five. And then two skulls, two cultists, one tablet, and one elder thing. The skulls are minus one or minus three if you're at an underground location. And cultists are minus two if a deep one monster is at your location. Lose half your resources rounded up, which seems punishing. Tablet is reveal three more tokens, choose two to resolve, and Elder Thing is minus three if you fail this test, discard a card from your hand. doesn't say at random, but it also doesn't say choose and discard. So given that we don't know how well balanced this scenario is or anything like that, we're going to just grim rule it and say it's going to be discard at random. Why not? There are two encounter decks in this scenario, an above ground deck, which is in play, 
and an underground or below ground deck which is set aside. There are various assets set aside in one big enemy. And then in play in terms of locations, I'll describe it to you. It's sort of an arrowhead. So at the top of the map we have Union Station and that connects to Pittock Mansion, Portland Art Museum, which is a central location, and Mount Tabor Park. The Art Museum connects back to the Union Station, to the Pittock Mansion, to Mount Tabor Park, and then it also connects the sort of the lower section of the map, where there's the Moon and Sixpence Pub, which only connects to the Art Museum, Hollywood Theatre, which also connects to the Art Museum, and then Hollywood Theatre has a final location further off it, Hollywood Theatre Lobby, which only connects to the theatre. So if you can get a mental map of that, there's a sort of little diamond shape at the top made by Union Station, Art Museum, Pittock Mansion and Mount Table Park. And then there are two other wings coming off the Art Museum. I hope that makes sense. There's some other locations that are underground locations that are set aside. And I think now all that remains is for us to read some act and agenda cards and make a start. So, here we go. Lurker in the lobby. Let's see what we discover. Agenda 1A. The Summons. After getting to Portland, it was easy to feel the apprehension in the air. According to the local paper, after the big sewer project started, there have been numerous accounts of sailors not reporting back to their ships, whisperings of people being followed at night, and strange vermin issuing from the sewers. Without delay, you find a taxi and secure a ride to the Pittock Mansion for Doom. Act 1A. Gone without a trace. As you arrive at the mansion, you reflect on the rumours the driver told you. People go missing near the river, especially those who frequent the more questionable establishments. Hmm, I wonder if that's the Moon and Sixpence pub. With all these strange happenings, it's little wonder that the owners of the Oregonian newspaper have hired you to get their reporter back. Objective. When all investigators are at the revealed Moon and Sixpence pub location, they can spend the requisite clues as a group to advance. This is the biggest threshold I think I've seen for clues. Six. Not six per investigator, just six. So we need to get a lot of clues. I'm playing as Wendy Adams, the drifter. I've played a lot of Wendy before, but I haven't actually played with this deck. So let's see how we get on, really. A little bit like the Carolyn episode. Let's experiment. Let's find out how we get on. So I've drawn a Perception, a Manual Dexterity, an Elusive, an Amulet, and Peter Sylvester, level 2. I think I keep the Peter, and I think I chuck everything else. I love Wendy's Amulet, but actually I think I wait and maybe play it mid-game if I can. So I'm going to chuck 4 and hope for lockpicks. I've drawn a Narrow Escape, a Test of Will, a Sneak Attack, and a Pickpocketing level 2. So a bit of economy there, the Pickpocketing can stay in my hand. Peter Sylvester can get down and heal Horror for us, which is nice. And then we just got to hope for a lockpicks to get clues, because otherwise we're going to be somewhat floundering with that six-clue threshold. Pittock Mansion. You approach the main entrance to the Pittock Mansion slowly, marvelling at the eclectic collection of Jacobean, Edwardian, Turkish and French Renaissance architecture. It speaks of wealth. One shroud. One clue. Forced. After you fail a willpower test while in the Pittock Mansion, take one horror. Feeling they're not telling you the whole truth, you find a chance to slip away and search the study. As an action, you can test willpower 4. Regardless of the outcome, remember that you've found notes about the Shanghai Tunnels. So I think I play Peter and maybe try and get that 
clue and then maybe I take the test and even if I fail it I'm just going to put a horror on Peter which will heal let's give it a go pay three for Peter Sylvester I'm now willpower five I'm a three on one investigating here skull minus one clue and my thinking is I'm probably going to leave and I'm, I'm imagining I'm going to move up to the top of the map to the Union Station and kind of loop around, see if I can get clues up there and in the park, head down to the art museum and then maybe head to the Moon and Sixpence pub. So, yeah, third action, I'm a five on four doing this test. Skull again. Pass. So I'm going to put a resource token on the mansion to remind us that we found notes about the Shanghai Tunnels. It could be that Nathan and the designers of this scenario actually mean that any of these remember are bad things, but I'm just trying to go on my sort of Arkham instincts here and, and give that a go. Okay, upkeep. I draw a mob enforcer. This is a four fight, three health, three evade enemy. Preys on bearer only. Is a hunter. And as an action, I can spend four resources to parlay and discard mob enforcer. Okay, and... Yeah, that was my draw, and up to three resources. We go to our first Doom of Four. Encounter card is Deep One Hybrid. Two fight, two health, one evade. Deep One Humanoid and above traded. It spawns at any Portland, Oregon location, which is all of the locations in play. It preys on the lowest willpower, and it's a hunter. As I looked at him, I saw that the back of his head was almost as hairless as his face, having only a few straggling yellow strands upon a grey scabrous surface, and it hits for two damage. So it's not it's not that beefy, a 2-2-1, but it does hunt, and it hits pretty hard. I wonder if we can do something cheeky here around maybe evading the mob enforcer, evading the deep run hybrid... Or do we just put the Deep One Hybrid way down in the theatre lobby and it'll take a long time to reach us? Maybe we do that, and if we can evade the mob enforcer and, and move on, we can wait until we sort of built up a bit of resources to parlay the mob enforcer. So I'm going to pay two and play pickpocketing level two. It's fast, so I don't take an attack opportunity from the mob enforcer. I'm a five on three evading, and I, I won't commit anything in my hand. Minus five, that's a fail. Should I chuck a card and redraw? Yeah, I'll chuck a test of will, keeping the sneak attack and narrow escape in my hand. Zero. Sweet, that's a pass by two, so I can exhaust pickpocketing to draw a card, it's take heart, and get a resource, I'm at two resources. Now, you may be wondering, I've got narrow escape in hand, why didn't I move or draw or something like that to trigger it to get a boost for the mob enforcer but that boost i'm then spending a card for a plus two where i could just commit it to an evade or i could just wait and use it as a redraw you know with wendy every card becomes a redraw so the mob enforcer is evaded at the pitok mansion that was the first action wasn't it second action i will move up to the union station get a bit of distance from this deep one hybrid which we could kill with the sneak attack and yeah generally move on. Union Station. Near the west shore of the Willamette River in Old Town, you find the train station. As you look around, you admire the Romanesque architecture until you see the people lurking in the lobby. Ooh, this scenario is called The Lurker in the Lobby. It's also one shroud. It's also one clue. It has an action, resign, 
You realise that you cannot stop what is happening. You take the first train to Salem, hoping to distance yourself from the disturbing events plaguing the town. Well, it's been a really good live play. It's been really fun to try out this new scenario. And uh, yeah, that's it done. Thanks. Just kidding. And it also says here, spawn one of the set-aside private investigator assets at this location randomly. The formatting's a little bit funny. I'm pretty sure private investigator there is a trait, because in the set-aside cards, there are two here that are investigator for hire, and they have as a trait private investigator. They're both ally above Portland, Oregon, and private investigator traited. So I'll shuffle those up and place one there. So this is sort of a purple one. It's two-cost asset with combat and agility icons. As an action, you can pay four resources to hire and place into your play area. Takes up the ally slot. Two health and one sanity. Flavor is, yeah, I remember that reporter. Seemed pretty excited about the theatre. I thought it was a trip for biscuits, although now I'd watch your back if I were you. And it also has a reaction, exhaust, to have any investigator dodge an attack at the same location as this ally. I think that would mean cancel an attack, so like, like playing a dodge card, but sort of makes sense. It wouldn't be evade an attack, would it? No. Well, we've only got two resources. We'd lose Peter Sylvester if we paid to hire the investigator for hire. So we're probably not going to do that. So we evaded, we moved. Should we try and get this clue at Union Station? Yeah, we're three on one. Minus two, one on one. Two clues. In the enemy phase, the Deep One hybrid hunts to Hollywood Theatre. So it's one location away from the art museum and two from me. In the upkeep, mob enforcer readies. I draw lock picks and I go up to three resources. A little bit nervous I didn't put enough economy in this deck. Playing lock picks make me broke, but hey, we'll get money from evading. We go to two doom and we draw closing in. This is a scheme and above traded. It's got a sort of art of a deep one. Surge, revelation, if there are any unengaged humanoids in play, move them all one location closer to you. You're only paranoid if they're not out to get you. And they are out to get you. Nice. Well, the mob enforcer is a humanoid. It moves one towards me and engages me. And the deep one hybrid is a humanoid. It moves one towards me, so it goes to the art museum. So it's one space away. And that surged, closing in, so it surges into Crimping Crew. Three fight, four health, two evade, so a bit of a beefy. Hits for two damage as well. Flavour is, Portland was a hard-drinking, hard-punching dockside town, and crimping paid well. What is crimping? Isn't that like where you make nice edges to pies and things like that? Hmm. It preys on the lowest agility, that's me, and it's a hunter. Doesn't have a spawn instruction, so that engages me as well. So I've got two enemies on me, and the deep one hybrid is going to hit me this turn, because I don't think there's anywhere I can go to avoid it. Unless I evade the crimping crew, move down to the deep one hybrid, taking a hit from the mob enforcer, which I cancel with narrow escape, and then evade the deep one hybrid. Then I would take one damage from the mob enforcer. So if damage is my fear, that's the way to avoid it. 
Let's give it a go. Five on two, evading the crimping crew. Tablet. Reveal three more tokens. Choose two to resolve. Hmm. Or do we chuck a card to redraw? And we've got sneak attack, lock picks, narrow escape, and take heart in our hand. All of them are really good. We're two up, so we'd need to get a minus one and something else. Well, two minus ones, or a zero and a minus one, or something like that. And if we drew into either of the two cultists, we'd lose half our resources rounded up, which would be two. So we need to chuck something to redraw. I'm going to chuck the take heart. And redraw into minus one. So that makes us a four against two on the crimping crew. Well, because we're two up here, I'm going to trigger pickpocketing, draw a card, it's a fire axe, get a resource. So I'm on four resources. Should I just parlay the mob enforcer here? Or should I move down, cancelling its attack, and evade the deep one hybrid? Then I'll have taken, I'll just take one damage this turn. Next turn I could parlay the mob enforcer, evade the deep one hybrid, I'd have two resources, sneak attack the deep one hybrid and then the crimping crew are on my back and beating me up that uh, ability from the investigators to hire to dodge an attack <laughs> every turn as well exhaust to have any investigator dodge an attack at the same location as this ally you could start taking a lot of hits over a series of turns and protect yourself from them is there any way I can go to avoid the deep one hybrid no Maybe so maybe we just get rid of the mob enforcer now, we're in a little bit of a resource hole, but we could play the axe next turn then. Yeah, let's getting some enemies off the board is the right play. Going broke to parlay the mob enforcer, and then last action, I think I'll keep moving. And yes, I accept I'll take two damage from the deep one hybrid, but so be it. I'll move to Mount Table Parks. This is over on the right-hand side of the map. It's connected back to where we were, the station, and to the art museum. Rising high above the Willamette River, the park built upon a dormant volcano vet, volcanic vent is the home of Portland's reservoirs. The gatehouses, lamps, and wrought iron fences are all artistically constructed, but the park feels ominous in the gathering gloom. It's three shroud and no clues. You start to feel dizzy from the surrounding Douglas fir trees as they sway seemingly to their own music under the twinkling stars. This uh, location says forced. When you leave this location, take one horror or discard four cards from your deck. And it says spawn the set aside the mystics asset at this location. I found the mystics. Their ally above and Portland, Oregon traded. A zero cost asset. They have action. Draw chaos token. Limit once per turn. If it's a skull, look at the top three cards of your deck. Keep one and reshuffle. If it's um, an Elder Sign, gain two clues or two resources. I'm guessing from the token bank for the clues. Tablet, return a card from your discard pile to your hand. Cultist, add two charges, supplies or ammo to a controlled asset. And Tentacle, take one horror. The stars are right, but they do not favour you. Um, so the slight problem here is that I don't know how I take control of the Mystics because they don't have an action that allows you to do that, like the Investigator for Hire, which was pay for resources and place into your play area. I'm just going to have a glance at the other set-aside cards. Um, 
there's the muscle that seems to have a parlay action. There's another investigator for hire that's paid for resources. And there's another couple that don't seem to have ways of getting control of them. So I think what I'll do is I'll leave them at that location and play on because maybe there'll be a way of getting control of them later. You know, for each location that doesn't have a clue, you, you can do something. And if it turns out that actually I could have got them, so be it. Mistakes get made on first plays. That's the end of my turn. The Deep One Hybrid hunts to me, engages me and hits me for two damage. Oof. Upkeep, pickpocketing readies. I draw a second narrow escape. I go to one resource and the crimping crew also readies. We go to three doom of four and I draw a swarm of rats. Ooh boy. So I could evade the Deep One Hybrid, play the Fire Axe, cancelling the rat's attack, and then hit the Deep One Hybrid and kill it because I'd be broke. And I'd be hitting for a three on two, f- five on two, because I would have had a resource from evading, hopefully. Five on one evading, let's do it. Minus one, four on one. Exhaust pickpocketing and draw a swil- silver twilight acolyte and get a resource. Okay. Situation developing. Hmm, we're basically, consist- apart from closing in, we've just consistently drawn enemies, and two enemies in our deck as well doesn't help. Sooner or later, these guys have to die. I guess I need need to evade the Silver Twilight Acolyte, so I could evade that, and I could then place its sneak attack, taking a damage from Swarm of Rats, which would kill the Deep One Hybrid, but then I get hit by four, three damage in the enemy phase from the Crimping Crew, and the swarm of rats. Hmm. I could just try and punch the rats. That would get rid of them. Evade Acolyte, punch rats. Maybe that's actually reasonable. Then I take another two damage. And then I have the Deep One Hybrid, the Silver Twilight Acolyte, and the Crimping Crew. Unless I find a way of getting a lot more action soon, it's game over really fast. I think it's fair to say. And yeah, once there are three enemies on me, that's just my whole turn taxed with dealing with enemies. And the only places I can move from Mount Table Park are down to the Art Museum or back up to the Crimping Crew. So the Crimping Crew is definitely hitting me this turn. I can think of a couple of expletives that might describe this situation. Scratching my head here trying to think of a route. Interestingly, yes, I've used interesting. Interestingly, I think in other situations, like when I've been playing live on the podcast, I'd feel really gutted now and embarrassed. And actually, at the moment, I don't feel too bad. I don't know anything about the scenario, and I've been really mobbed by enemies. Unless I draw into an elusive and can... Oh, no, I couldn't even elusive anywhere useful. So, yeah, there's not really anything I could do. Maybe, you know, I I scrap it and set up a Roland deck that can really dole out the hurt, and they come in back and just kill things. You know, that would be a way of doing it. So let's try to evade the Silver Twilight Acolyte. Oh, yeah. Five on three. Tentacle. I'll chuck one of these narrow escapes to redraw. Elder Sign, which is a zero. That's the Silver Twilight Acolyte evaded. And then I have one action left. If I were to pay my two to play Sneak Attack and kill the Deep One Hybrid, 
I would take a damage from the swarm of rats. And then the crimping crew would move in and hit me so that I'd be on three damage. The crimping crew would hit me for another two, it would be five damage, and the swarm of rats would take me to six damage. And next turn I'd have three enemies on me and no reliable way of killing them. Other option, I punch the rats now, one on one. If I kill them, next turn I have three enemies on me. Like It does just feel like game over. Or I move now and I take the one damage from the rats and then take another three damage in the enemy phase, but I'm only engaged with two enemies next turn. I could cancel the one damage, but I don't think I will. So yes, last action, I will move into the art museum, taking a damage, I'm on three. This gorgeous brick and columned building is located in the heart of downtown. You notice something out of place, a poster imploring, sailors must be slaves no more. Clearly a call to action to put an end to the roving crimping gans of Portland. Four shroud and two clues. Spawn the set-aside Dr. Migliori asset at this location. The current exhibit displays cultural artefacts from the Tillamook, Sealts, and Chinook coastal tribes. One carving of as catches your attention. A god who used its powers to change people into fish. Dr. Migliori is a zero-cost asset. Ally above Portland, Oregon, and curator traded. As an action, you can test intellect four. If successful, put the scholars into play at the Hollywood Theatre lobby. Uh, And then it says, they know all about it, in quotes. You read that the Doctor was involved with the Arkham Museum's Legacy of the Pharaohs exhibit. If asked about the rumours of missing artefacts and strange illnesses, he vehemently denies the rumours. I think because he's at my location, I can trigger that action on him. And the scholars would be then two locations away. But that's the end of my turn. Enemy phase, the crimping crew joins me, and I take another three damage. I'm on six of seven. Upkeep, the Silver Twilight Acolyte and the Deep One Hybrid ready, and I draw another Fire Axe. So redraw at least, and I go up to three resources, and we hit four Doom. The trap tightens. It's clear that something nefarious is going on. I I could have said that. As you race about town to put the pieces of this grim puzzle together, you sense that your time is growing short. Forced, lead investigator chooses one. Lead investigator loses all of their resources or each investigator takes a horror. I don't feel like that is a fair comparison there because, well, unless all of your investigators all had no resources, you'd all have to take a horror. Anyway, I'll take the horror and put it on Peter. It's a no biggie for me. Agenda 2A, enemies closing in. Your inquiries around town have not been well received by some of the less savoury members of Stumptown. All your findings point to the shadowy crime boss named Douglas R. Wilson. He must hold a lot of sway over this town because few will mention his name, and even then, only in a whisper. Sounds like someone you do not want to cross. You pull up your collar to keep out the chill from the Willamette River as you quicken your pace. My encounter card is... Movement in the bushes. Finally, a treachery. Revelation, you must either take use your next action to move to an adjacent location or take one horror. Limit once a turn. If you move, discard this card. If you take a horror, keep this card in your threat area. Okay, I think the intent is clear there that it should read Revelation, add this card to your threat area. The flavour is, you can't shake the feeling that your every move is being watched. So the options there were, I have to use my next action to move, or I take a horror if I use it for anything else. If I do move, I discard it. If I take a horror, I keep the card in my threat area. Because it's limit once a turn, that means my first action is the where it's forced about move or horror, and then after that I'm okay. So I think I'm just going to end up taking another horror here. 
If I play my Fire Axe, I die, because I get hit for three damage. So maybe I evade the Crimping Crew, play the Fire Axe using Narrow Escape. Oh, shice, I still die. Uh, evade, evade, move, is that the is that the way forwards? Just to survive? <laughs> and then there'll be four enemies at the Portland Art Museum, and I have no idea what to do. Just, like, dig for an elusive and sprint. Hmm. Evade, evade, sneak attack, still die think I'm dead anyway, like six damage is pretty bad, but uh, just trying to think of any possible options. So much damage given out. And like nowhere to hide. <laughs> kind of nuts. If it sounds like there's a lot of silence on the line, it's because I'm thinking. I definitely won't be moving because I'll die. So I'll take a horror. My first action, I'll try and evade the crimping crew and the five against two. Minus three, that is a pass. Exhaust the Crimping Crew. I will draw a card with pickpocketing. It's a quick thinking. Second action, I will move to the Hollywood Theatre. The new picture palace is a marvel with its Spanish colonial exterior and Bernini-inspired Gothic carvings that look down and mock you. But why are there no lines? Maybe it's because the Historical Society is showing another one of their esoteric research films. It's one shroud and no clues. After you reveal this location, test Agility 3. If you fail, take 2 damage from Falling Masonry. An accident? Spawn the set-aside The Vendor asset at this location, and the flavour is the display case of coming attractions announces The Shadow Over Port Charlotte, starring Chris Gilmore and William Knapp. The Vendor asset. There is a mysterious street vendor, so I'm going to put that there. No cost asset. Ally above Portland, Oregon and Vendor. As an action, spend the resources indicated to make a purchase. One, bandages. Remove one damage from you or an ally. Two, repair kit. Add supply token to an asset. Four, better rat trap. Add the set-aside card to your play area. There is a card called better rat trap. Or six, tiki statue. Search your discard pile for one card and draw it. Hey there, you look like you're in a spot of trouble. Don't worry, I have just the thing to help. But, hold on, we've got that agility test to take, and we were taking a damage from the swarm of rats. So I'll play Narrow Escape to avoid being hit by the rats, and that means I get plus two to my next test, which is this agility test to avoid the falling masonry. So I'm a seven on three here, and I will chuck in a quick thinking to be eight on three. Tablet can't be doing with that. Chuck a fire axe to redraw. Eight on three. Tablet is the reveal three more tokens and choose two. Eight on three. Come on. Cultist minus two. If a deep one monster is at your location, well, it isn't. So that makes me a six on three. I gain an extra action, which means I have two actions left this turn. Punch rats. Evade rats, move again, punch rats, pay for bandages. Let's try and punch the rats. I'll commit the sneak attack to be one up. Come on, some luck. Cultist, which is a minus two, that's going to be a fail. I'll chuck my fire axe to redraw.
cultist again. Fail. Last action punch rats. Zero on zero. Uh, one on one. This is when I draw a goddamn zero. Yeah, ish. At the end of my turn, Peter heals a horror. He's on one. And I draw abandon and alone and take two horror and remove both fire axes from the game. Nice. I got four resources. Just got a lockpicks in hand. That's all. One doom. Ooh, before I do that, I've skipped enemy phase. Crimping crew have readied and the Acolyte and Deep One Hybrid have joined the Crimping crew in the art museum. I've placed a doom and my card is movement in the bushes again. So I may as well just move and clear both of them and I'll move down to the theatre lobby. The strange non-Euclidean lobby makes your head spin for a moment, but you quickly recover after smelling the delicious scent of popcorn wafting towards you from the concession stand. Three shroud, two clues. As an action, spend one action and one resource at the concession stand to heal one damage and one horror, limit once per game. Off the main entrance, you see the open door to the executive office of Douglas R. Wilson. On his impressive mahogany desk, you can easily see, spread out, a set of tidal charts and blueprints to the sewer and city reservoir systems. Two actions left. Why don't I play my lockpicks for three and spend an action and a resource to heal a damage and a horror. So I'm on five damage and one horror. In the enemy phase, this massive squad move to the Hollywood theatre. And in upkeep, I draw a perception and I get a resource. I'm on one go to two doom and i draw what's that sound revelation test willpower three if you fail you must lose an action this turn to look behind you okay flavor is there it is again sounds of movement that stop a moment after you stop you know something is there but are afraid to look i'm a five on three Minus four. I'll chuck my perception to redraw. Five on three. Zero. Pass. <laughs> There's nothing behind me. Hmm. No cards in hand. One resource. Five damage and one horror. I've got a pickpocketing down, a lockpicks down, and Peter Sylvester. I mean, putting the lockpicks down was kind of stupid. I should have kept a fire axe in hand, really, because there's so much fighting to be done. If I move into the Hollywood Theatre, I could evade both of the scenario enemies, the Deep One Hybrid and the Crimping Crew, and then I would take A damage from the Twilight Acolyte, which would take me back to six and put Doom. But then I'd be stuck. Next turn I would evade three times and not do anything. And the following turn I would evade three times and not do anything. What if I were to draw cards and try and draw Elusive and Elusive my way to Union Station and resign? That is an option. Leave with my dignity intact. First action draw. It's unexpected courage. Second action draw. It's unexpected courage. Who shuffled this deck anyway? And now I'm dead, I think, because I don't have the resource for elusive. So third action draw. It's coup de gras. And in the enemy phase, all of those lads rush me and I die. Let's go to resolutions. Alas, there's no resolution for if you get beaten up. Oh, and I've just seen on the last page... <laughs> I didn't read... The resolutions are on page five and six, so I didn't read them because it says do not read until you finished. Page seven is the prologue 
and it says each investigator starts with two additional resources. Thanks for nothing! Putting your prologue after your ending. Oh well. Um, that was The Lurker in the Lobby. I don't know how much I can really say about the scenario because I don't feel like I got very far. And definitely part of that was that I saw all three weaknesses of my deck and two of them were enemies. So like, I don't think that's a criticism of the scenario. And in my first three encounter draws, I saw another... No, my first four encounter draws, I saw three more enemies. So that's like a incredibly high percentage of enemies but i think it should still stand as a first play it's really interesting that you have to get six clues and it's not tailored by investigator number because that means a single investigator has to go to all the locations and get the clues i'm just going to peek at the moon and sixpence pub yet yeah, there are two clues there as well so you could learn where the clues are and go and fetch them. But if you're playing four player, you're not taxed at all. And if you're playing one player, you're really taxed. So that's quite an interesting detail that it's not, it doesn't scale per investigator. And all it would take is to make those locations per investigator locations and the threshold per investigator. And you'd have to get the same amount of clues, but it would scale. So that's just a, an observation. I like the Portland theme coming through. I don't know the city of Portland, but it seems like there's a lot of in-jokes here. And I wonder if some of the art is particular people from Nathan Early's community and things like that. I'm sure that they would have a really good impact on those. I wondered if there was a Nathan Early treachery art there, but I'm not sure. Anyway, Nathan, thank you so much for your support as a patron. Thank you for sending us this scenario. I'm really looking forward to trying it again and cracking it. And I hope this is a good alternative to having a retrospective episode. For other listeners, we'll be diving in with Lola versus Return to Night of the Zealot soon. And yeah, wishing you all happy holidays, season's greetings. And as ever, send in your messages to drawntotheflamepodcast at gmail.com. Maybe think about becoming a patron. We're just, I think, six patrons off 100, which would be incredible if we could hit 100 as a Christmas present. Uh, if you're already a patron, it's amazing. You know, I could only record this episode because I could take a day to do it. So, yeah, super grateful and looking forward to speaking soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.